Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to welcome all of you to our worship service here at Reveille United Methodist Church. We welcome those who are here with us in person. We welcome those who are worshiping with us online. Uh, My name is Stephen Coleman. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Reveille. Today we are continuing our sermon series on the other six days of the week. We have heard about being the salt and the light into the world. We have uh, heard about uh, faith and work. And today we are going to be talking about how we spend our leisure time faith and leisure. And we're going to be reading and studying a familiar passage from the Gospel of Luke about Mary and Martha, about Martha who was running around doing things, and Mary who was sitting at the uh, foot of Jesus listening to his word. So our lead pastor, the Reverend Dr. Pete Moon, is preaching this morning. I draw your attention to your bulletin, and I invite you to take note of all that is happening in the life of our church. Of course, you can also uh, look at our website to see all that is happening at Reveille as well. I do want to highlight a uh, new uh, Bible study that will be taking place beginning on January 29th on Sunday nights at 4 o'clock called A Disciple's Path. Uh, For those of you who are looking to follow Jesus a little more deeply, to discover your gifts, to discover how you can use your gifts for God and for the church, we invite you to join us for that class. You can sign up by going to our website or by contacting Kelly Lane. Uh, You'll also see in your bulletin our Grow, Pray, uh, Serve devotional, and we invite you to use this devotion in the week ahead to help prepare for next week's service. Uh, We welcome you this day, and I invite you now to prepare your hearts and minds for the worship of the living God. The Lord be with you.
invite you to stand in body or in spirit and join me now for our call to worship. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. May God be exalted in our singing of hymn number 145, Morning Has Broken. If we say that we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I invite you to join me now for our prayer of common confession and then our silent personal confession. Let us pray. Gracious and holy Lord, forgive us. We have worshipped our work and worked at our play. You have given us generous seasons of leisure, and yet we so often have failed to appreciate your provision. You have provided beauty, but we are too busy to see it. Forgive us, O Lord. Lead us into a deeper leisure 
that does not squander away the days, but leads us to a richer understanding of your love and wonder. This we ask in Jesus' name. Hear now the good news. The mercies of God never come to an end. And as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the Lord's love for us. And as far as east is from west, so far does the Lord remove our sins from us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. I invite you now to share signs of peace and reconciliation with those around you. And I invite our children to come forward for our children's message with Kathy Rainey. Good morning. How are you? Hi, Sarah Claxton. Come on up. We're so glad you're here. Okay, before we start with our children's message this this morning, Annabelle is going to help me because this is my bag of stuff I have to do this week. And she's going to, it needs to be organized. So Annabelle is going to help me before we start with children's message. Is that okay? Okay, Henry's already laughing. Okay, so Annabelle, I've got to get this re-strung. I've got to practice piano so I don't forget how to play. This is my pickleball battle. I've only played pickleball once. I need to sign up to do some more. I've got to finish this book for book club, and I've got to um, wash this from to keep the sun out of my eyes when I play pickleball. I've got to fill this up with air because one of my sons likes to shoot baskets when he comes home. And Annabelle, can you hold? I got a water bottle because we've got to stay hydrated. Do you, can you hold one more thing? No, I can't. I can't. Could you fit one more thing in your hands? No. Okay. Thank you so much. You, let's try to get that back in the bag. Now, Annabelle is a great actress, and she is a great sport, too, because she was just helping me demonstrate something. Do any of you ever feel like that is like your week? Even though that was all fun stuff, all the sports, reading, music, do you ever feel that you can't fit one more thing into your schedule, just like she couldn't hold one more thing? Do you ever feel that way? 
like your weeks are so busy with school and gymnastics and scouts and all the different things we do. So sometimes we want to make sure that God doesn't get edged out in our busy, busy schedule. And I want to, I want to remind you of a couple of words. We want to make sure that we remember, and we said this verse already from Psalm 46. Can you say the word Psalm? What a beautiful word. It starts with a P, but it, the word Psalm 46, it's a book in the Old Testament, and we just read it. It said, be still and know that I am God. So everybody look at the, what I have in my hand. Do you, do, you, do you see that word be? Oh, Annabelle, what's the word? Being. God made us as a human being. Not a human doing. Not a human doing. This means that God loves us just because of who we are, not because of what we do or all the things that we accomplish in a day. He loves us just because he made us and we are who we are. Now, I have a challenge for you. Now, think, see if you can take this challenge this week, okay? When you go outside this week, I want you to take just a minute to look up at the sky and look all around you for God's handiwork, for signs of God's handiwork. One of the things I notice the most are the clouds. Take a few minutes just to be and look at the clouds, look at the shape of the clouds, and just take a minute. Henry, did you want to ask something, sweetie? It is raining, and I'm glad you said that because you know what? You can go outside and take a minute, put your hood up, and just be and look at the rain because God made the rain. At night, go outside for a few minutes when you're outside at night and look up. Just take a few minutes to look up. What will you see? May Louise, you're going to see the moon and the stars. Take a moment just to, what's that word again? Be. We want you just to take a moment in your busy week to be. Good, Henry. And look at the magnificent handiwork of our creator because it's amazing that the one who created the stars, the sun, and the moon, he created you too. And he loves you just for being you. So can you try that this week in the middle of your busy week? Look up during the day, look up during the night, and take a minute to remember God. Okay? All right, let's say a prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for letting us just be and find our rest in you. Amen. Thank you for being here, and thank you, Annabelle, for your help. Please join me in praying the prayer for illumination. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voices but your own, so that we may hear your word and do it. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.
Today's first lesson is Psalm 8, which may be found on page 427 of your Pew Bible. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes, to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning, as we jump into our second text, our second scripture reading, I'd like to invite us to do something a little bit different. I'd like to invite you to take that Bible that's in front of you and pull that out and follow along, and we're going to take a look at it in a different way in just a little bit. So I invite you to turn to our second scripture reading for the morning, which is from the 10th chapter of Luke, and you can find that on page 845 of our text today. I invite you Pull out the Bible and follow along. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care? That my sister has left me to do all the work by myself. Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Now hold your place on that text and look at the verses we just read. And I'd like you just to imagine something. Imagine that there's no space between the words. Imagine there's no verse numbers, no punctuation, no commas, no periods. There's no margins on the side, no header on the top, no footer on the bottom. Imagine what that reading would look like if there is no white space. You would see the words of Scripture, but it would take a whole lot of effort to discern the meaning in all of that. So friends, at the risk of getting out of the gate too early, I would like to underscore that the point of our time together this morning is that your life and my life is like that. When you have no white space in your life, when we have no white space in our life, it's very hard to discern the meaning of this world, the meaning of life, and it's hard to discern the wonder and beauty of who God is. Well, friends, we are continuing our sermon series from these past weeks where we are remembering that Jesus said, 
You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And we're thinking about how do I live that life, salt, light, on the other six days of the week. So last week we took some time to think about you in the workplace. How are you salt and light in that place? And if you might remember, there was a second category where you and I spend a substantial amount of daily time. According to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, the average American today spends 5.6 hours per day in sports and leisure. Now, you may be hearing those numbers and you may think with our Protestant work ethic that that sounds excessive, and perhaps it is, and and that's a whole other sermon, but this morning we are being reminded that our leisure space in our day, it's not all bad. And properly understood, that white space in our life can be God's vehicle for us and for our recreation, a deeper appreciation of God's beauty, a time where we, like the words of Psalm 8, discern the wonder of God, the beauty of God, the power of God, and the miracle that God is mindful of me and of you. And all that points us to the reading we just shared together about Martha and Mary. Many of you know the story. Martha's there making sure everything is ready because she has a special guest. Jesus is in the house. So she's making sure the dinner, the gathering, the celebration is special, consumed with the tasks of the hand. But there's Mary just sitting there at the Lord's feet. Tell her to help me, Martha complains to Jesus. And then Jesus offers that loving but classic rebuke to Martha. Martha, Martha, you are worried about many things, but only one thing is needed, he says. Mary, he says, has chosen what is better. So I'm wondering, as we gather on this Sunday morning, as we look together at the crowd that is here today, I'm wondering in the spectrum of Martha and Mary, where we stand. And I'm wagering that the majority of us would align more closely with Martha. And in that context, it's important to remember in the story that Martha's not bad. Instead, she is busy. Martha's overwhelmed. And in the mental clutter of all the tasks that are in front of us, in front of her, she says something to Jesus which she likely later regretted. But she said that because she had lost perspective. Because Martha in the story is, of course, much more than that manipulative statement, Lord, don't you care? See, friends, it's hard to see Jesus in the room when your soul is full and consumed with all the things that need to get done. But you see also, that is one of the oft-forgotten gifts of the Judeo-Christian heritage. Because you and I worship and serve a God who, with some disclaimer of which we shall speak in a few moments, 
offers us the gift of leisure. Dare we say celebrates leisure. Because I think God is all too aware of our human tendency to drift into the world of Martha. And as a result, God gives us a thing of beauty. A way that you and I, if we choose, can keep our eyes on God's goodness. The goodness of the creation. The goodness of what he has done in our lives. We all too often forget this truth. That God has built white space into creation. And if we're willing God, to listen, God has also built white space into our lives. And you can find it right at the very first chapter of the Bible. The story goes through each day of creation and makes it all the way in the first chapter through the sixth day. Sixth day, And at the end of the chapter one, at the end of the sixth day, it says that God saw all that he had made and it was very what? Good. Not just good. It was very good. And then just go to the next verse in chapter two. And it speaks immediately about Sabbath. And then it says, There was the seventh day. God rested from all his work and made it holy. God rested from his work not because he was tired. Remember, friends, as Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for you and me, not us for the Sabbath. So what happens is God sets this example embedded into the very creation story that sets the example of Sabbath that reminds us in all the frenzy, you know what? It's still very good. God is good and God's grace is still here. But then when you turn the the other intimidating chapters of the Bible, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, with all the laws and the regulations and the intensity and the do's and the don'ts and in the midst of all that you find, surprisingly, All these festivals, all these gatherings, all these celebrations that are interspersed within what seems like a strict series of laws. But you get the point. God embeds white space into the regular routine of life. Open up the New Testament and it keeps on going as Jesus changes the water to wine, has dinner with sinners. And then there's that beautiful scene in the sixth chapter of Mark. The disciples have been working all day, dealing with the crowd, dealing with drama, dealing with frenzy, dealing with this, dealing with that. They don't even have time to eat, Mark says. And then Jesus says to them, and I quote, come away with me to a quiet place by yourselves and get some rest. Do you hear those words? Jesus speaking to frenzied, harried disciples, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place. And get some rest. You would keep going on that, but you get the point. You see, when you look at the world for thousands of years in culture, white space has been built into calendars in large measure because of the Judeo-Christian tradition, whether it be days off or holidays or vacation. The point is that leisure at its best has spiritual value because it restores us, but also... God intentionally designs white space into the world and into life and into your life so that we can have perspective.
Let me tell you a story about that, a personal story. Ten years ago, I was a delegate to the United Methodist General Conference. It was 2012, and the conference was in Tampa, and it did not go well. Everybody was doing all sorts of stuff, and we weren't at our best. And I came out of that season, ten days of fussing, in a very frenzied way. And trying to get my footing again as I made my way home. But by God's grace, a year prior, I had applied to the Lilly Foundation for a sabbatical. A three-month sabbatical. And I I received it and a a financial grant that enabled me to do that. Well, there's a whole lot of stories in there. But I took six weeks of that sabbatical to take some time to circumnavigate the country. I drove in a pickup truck. I was working with a... A woman at the time, she said, you can't go driving around the country talking to people in a, in a regular old car. You need a pickup truck. And I said, that's what she said. She said, take my husband's pickup truck. So sure enough, I, I got in a pickup truck, and I, I drove 11,000 miles over six weeks around the country. I stopped in 16 different places, and I interviewed 72 different folks. And I asked them all the same question. I said, tell me how Jesus has changed your life. That was too much for some folks. I had to pull it back. I said, how has the church, how has your faith changed your life? But either way, it was off to the races. I didn't say a word for an hour often, sometimes much more. I heard for six weeks remarkable stories. I spoke with a woman who had found Jesus in jail because she'd been imprisoned for drug trafficking. I found a woman who, who uh, was pregnant at 16, married at 17, lost her child the same year, found Jesus in all the trials. I talked to a pastor in El Paso, Texas, who worked with all the immigrants coming across the border, found Jesus and offered Jesus. I talked to an alcoholic in Wyoming who found Jesus and healing and sobriety. And the list goes on and on and on 72 times. And you see what happened That's Sabbath, that is sabbatical, that is white space at its best because it restores perspective. It certainly happened to me. Can we just celebrate the uniqueness and wonder of our faith that this is who God is? God does put us to work. We talked about that last week. But also God is a God who knows us and gives us rest, Sabbath, white space, and perspective. All in the context of leisure. But as we speak of leisure, we also need to address the Dr. Phil question about our 5.6 hours a day of leisure. In other words, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? When you think about your 5.6 hours, is it helping you? Is it giving you perspective? Is it recreating you? Is it giving you momentum to meet the challenges of the other six days? In our prayer of confession, we used a quote uh, by Gordon Dahl, and we truncated it, but it said this, that we as Americans are often people who worship our work and work at our play. You hear that? Sometimes we worship our work and we work at our play. And implicit in that is a recognition that sometimes our leisure time can be used for ill purposes. Ample biblical precedent for that. There's a a classic story in the book of Amos. 
as the people of God pursue leisure. And it, it uh, characterizes them as, as seeking ivory couches and bowls of wine. But the point of all that is to say in their consumption for leisure, they overlook the needs of the people around them, particularly the people of needs of the faith. There's a story in the New Testament about um, a, a rich man and a beggar named Lazarus. The rich man feasts at his table, and all the while there is Lazarus, the poor man, outside the gate. But all his life, the rich man, in his pursuit of leisure and rest and good things, never saw Lazarus. The point of all that is to say and there's multiple instances in Scripture and in life where leisure does not accomplish God's assigned purpose of, of white space. It doesn't recreate us. It doesn't enhance our mental health. And most particularly, it doesn't give us renewed perspective. Instead, leisure gone south closes down our perspective in a way that limits us and doesn't enhance our mental health. Now, maybe you aren't uh, feasting with a beggar outside your door, but there is, brothers and sisters, a contemporary place where a similar thing can happen to us in our leisure time today. Yeah, it's true. Statistics say that you and I spend 5.6 hours a day in leisure. But statistics also tell us there's this one premier place where that 5.6 hours is spent. And you all know where that is. You brought it with you this morning, right? Amen? We spend, on an average, two and a half hours a day on our phones. More particularly, we spend that time on social media. And that two, point half, two and a half hours is a conservative number because when you go to our youth and young adults, that time skyrockets much more than that. Now, brothers and sisters, our, our purpose here is not to beat up on social media this morning. We use it, we need it, and it's here to stay, and we're not going to stop it. But I do invite us to reflect with the Dr. Phil question. If we're spending that much time on it, how's it working for us? Does it restore you? Does it recreate you? Does it enable your mental health to enhance? Does it point to God's goodness and God's wonder? Does it give you and me an accurate perspective? It's important to remember, we often presume as we scroll on our phones that that time is neutral and we're a passive observer in all of that. But you and I both know that's simply not true. That time is not neutral. It is formational. And there are gazillions of lines of code and algorithm trying to make sure that is exactly true. You know, I don't know if you saw a couple um, months ago, before Christmas and Thanksgiving, there was a great 60 Minutes segment uh, that was on, and it came out. And you can see it on YouTube if you like. But its point was to highlight the way that so much of our contemporary social media is exactly the opposite of what we said our role is last week as salt and light. Remember last week we said in the workplace, if you're going to be salt, sometimes you have to be what I called a drama drainer, offering a conversation, a word that drains the drama and enables a real conversation. But of course, social media does the exact opposite of that. It is built 
upon lifting up the drama because anger, drama, it sells, and we get attracted to it, and we multiply it. There's additional studies that show the way that social media has sent our mental health, particularly for our youth, into substantial decline. Now let me offer the disclaimer. There are great things about social media. Ways where we as a family can celebrate, we can highlight good things, we can encourage one another. All that does happen and is absolutely true. And we don't want to beat up on that. But it is critical that we engage in some reflective conversation about how it's working for us. Because it may not be accomplishing God's goal for Sabbath. You know, this last year in a discipleship class that I am in, we had an exercise where we were invited to go on a 48-hour fast, 48 hours, from social media. And we didn't die. I mean, it worked. (laughs) We survived at the end of that. You know, and it's still there waiting for us when we got out there. Maybe this coming Lent in the weeks to come, that might be an idea for you. So that you can have some white space that restores you. Well, friends, we're out of time, but let's not conclude with a counterfeit. What I'd like to conclude with is a reminder to hold on to the real thing. A reminder that God is good. That God knows your tendency and my tendency to drift into the world of frenzy and Martha. And so what God does is build white space into creation and into our lives. If you and I are willing to enter into that sacred space, we might once again find the world and words of the psalmist that senses the wonder of God, the beauty of God, and the miracle that God is mindful of you, mindful of me. Sometimes we have to sit at the feet of the Lord, our Lord to find it. But let us never forget that our God is good. Our God has come to us in Jesus Christ to show us the love and attention that he has for you and for me. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our hymn of response allows us to continue dwelling on the greatness of God. And so I invite you to stand and sing together hymn number 77, How Great Thou Art.
Let's remain standing as we offer the words of the Apostles' Creed together, saying what we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Let us please be seated. Come away with me to a quiet place. seek God's grace. Come away with me. Come away. Let us pray. Oh God, how great you indeed are. How majestic is your name in all the worlds. You call us to be still and to know that you are God. And so now as we come to you this morning, we come to lift up our prayers and to remember who you are in silence and in stillness together.
hear our prayers this day, O oh Lord, as we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now invite our ushers to come forth as we continue to respond to the word proclaimed by giving of our tithes and our offerings this morning.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the sun, the moon, the stars, the mountains, the seas, the birds, the beauty of creation that is all around us. We thank you for our work. We also thank you for those times when we have moments of leisure and white space in our lives, those times when we can remember who you are and be renewed and rejuvenated. We thank you for all the many gifts and blessings in our lives, a portion of which we now return back to you. Bless these gifts, multiply them, use them for your glory and for your kingdom. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I invite you to join me now for our final hymn, number 578, God of Love and Power.
as you go forth now to hear God's words more clearly, to follow God more deeply. One of the ways you can do that is by joining our Disciples Path small group beginning on January 29th. And friends, remember that which we have learned this far in our series. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are that in the workplace. Today we have talked about how we are that even in our leisure. Next week, we shall talk about how we are that at our homes. Hold on to this thought as we go to serve now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and go in peace as all God's people say, Amen.